Hello and welcome to Fidelity Next, a podcast for post-secondary students brought to you by Fidelity Investments Canada, where we'll provide you with the tools you need to navigate your impending careers successfully in today's landscape. On today's podcast, we're focusing on Fidelity Canada's product team with team members Jeff Payer and Juliana Martino joining host Quinn Flaherty. Jeff is a product solutions senior analyst and Juliana is an investment associate and former co-op student. Jeff and Juliana will share stories of their own personal career growth, offer advice for those starting their career and speak about the role of the product team here at Fidelity, specifically the role the product team plays in the development of new products such as the Fidelity Climate Leadership suite of funds, which were launched in May 2021. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of Fidelity Investments Canada ULC or its affiliates. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax or legal advice. It is not an offer to sell or buy or an endorsement, recommendation, or sponsorship of any entity or security cited. Read a fund's prospectus before investing. Funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. Fees, expenses, and commissions are all associated with fund investments. Hello and welcome to Fidelity Next. Uh, my name is Quentin Flaherty. I am the Research and Thought Leadership Manager here at Fidelity Investments Canada. And, of course, I'm super excited to be your host of today's show. And if you've been joining our shows of late, uh, you'll know that we've been really taking a tour and a deep dive into some of the roles and departments here at Fidelity. So today, I'm super excited to continue on with you on this journey. And we're going to be talking all about uh, products here at Fidelity. And I'd like to bring in two amazing colleagues of mine from the product team to talk all about this. I'm super excited to introduce Jeff Payer and Juliana Martino from our product team. Jeff, Juliana, welcome to Fidelity Next. Thanks for having us, Quinn. Happy Friday. Very excited to be here. Happy to be here, Quinn. Thank you for having us. Why don't I start with a question that I have here? And it's so interesting from our, our briefings and conversations, Juliana and Jeff, you both have unique career journeys here at Fidelity. I touched a little bit on my intro, but there's so much more to dive into. I'd be interested to know, maybe Juliana, you could start, you know, how did you get your start at Fidelity um, to get to where you are on the product team today? Yeah, so not too long ago, I was in all of your shoes. My journey at Fidelity started back in 2018 as a co-op through my school's co-op program. Um, I had gone to Laurier University for the BBA program, and I had heard so many great things about the company and wanted to see for myself. So I applied and thankfully landed my first term in the fund treasury group. What I found is that the culture, the people, and the work all really did live up to the hype which is why I decided to come back for my second term on the ETF team. And then after two really great experiences, I really wanted to come back again. So I had my final term in product research, which is now the team I'm a part of full time. So I was very fortunate to receive a full time offer at the same time that I was given a return offer for one of my co-op terms. So um, I had officially started full time last September, immediately after graduating. Fantastic. We're very happy to have you. And Jeff, you have your own unique journey. Thanks, Quinn. So yes, my, my journey very early on started in Switzerland. That's where I was born. Uh, but, you know, I've been in Canada for a very long time. The beginning of my Fidelity story really uh, goes back all the way back to the end of high school, actually. 
Uh, and that's really when I fell in love with the markets, trading, and investing generally. So, so after years later, after I graduated from university, I, I, I started looking for a job within the investment industry and doing pretty much anything investment related. Problem at the time is that you know I wasn't getting any replies for any of the investment related jobs I applied for, uh, and that was mainly because I didn't have any experience. You know, eventually I did get a few offers. Uh, happily, uh, three to be exact. So two from two of the big Canadian banks and one from Fidelity, but none for the jobs I actually wanted to do. But, uh, you know, I decided I'm going to accept one of the offers uh, just because it's a good way to get in the door uh, and just get that experience uh, that I needed. So after doing a little bit of research and talking to a few people, I decided to go with Fidelity's offer. And honestly, because it really seemed like a good place to just grow professionally with a lot of different opportunities to 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 move around the company. Uh, and to be honest, I had a good feeling about it. And, you know, and I think it turned out to be right. Uh, so I started at Fidelity uh, as a bilingual client relations rep in the client services group. Did that for a couple of years. Uh, then I transitioned to a role within the institutional services, uh, sales and services team as an institutional analyst. Uh, my role there was essentially uh, responsible for supporting the institutional sales process, and that includes, you know, various things, uh, responding to requests for proposals, RFPs, requests for information, RFIs, due diligence questionnaires, you know, as well as doing client reporting, just responding to uh, ad hoc client requests. And, you know, I honestly learned enormously through that role. Uh, then I think because of that, I was able to transition to what I'm doing now, which is uh, within the retail product development team. Uh, and I really love this role. And, I, you know, this is much closer to what I wanted to do when I graduated university. So awesome. Thanks, Jeff. Why don't we talk about that? So retail product development. How does Fidelity create a product? I imagine and I know that it's not as easy as snapping your fingers and saying, let's create this mutual fund. There is a lot that goes into it. And your team and your role is primarily responsible for that whole process. Can you give our audience a kind of a glimpse into the your role and responsibility and that kind of process in developing these sort of products? So my team is essentially responsible for retail product development. So that's the development and launch of our retail mutual fund products. And so we're essentially responsible for the entire development process. So starting from idea generation to getting the product to market. And so, you know, uh, it starts with idea generation and sometimes the ideas are generated within our team. And we do that by just, you know, uh, evaluating the market, looking what people are buying at the moment. We also look in, inwards and, and kind of look where are the holes in our current product shelves to see what we can plug. Uh, and we also look at the current market environment. Those ideas also sometimes comes from outside the team. So that's whether it's the investment teams, the sales team, or even the senior executive team. Uh, after that, we move on to product design. So for that, we usually uh, team up with the investment teams, uh, essentially to design uh, a product that meets uh, investor goals. From there, we spend a lot of time uh, building business cases. So once we kind of selected a product uh, that we may want to launch, designed it, uh, we essentially have to build a case uh, that outlines why launch that specific product at the specific time, and we have to present that to the senior executive team for approval. And from there, uh, our role kind of merges into somewhat of a project management role uh, where we work with various teams, various teams within the firm uh, to really help bring the product to market. And so that includes working with marketing, 
uh, where we, you know, help them develop the story and the messaging for the fund and some of the marketing material, uh, helping the advertising team with the advertising campaign, uh, supporting sales by ensuring that they have everything they need to sell the products, uh, working with the legal team as well, just to help them draft those legal documents, uh, working with corporate affairs, uh, Quinn's group actually, just to coordinate all of our internal and external communications, uh, and also working with the learning and development team to uh, develop training for the new products. And then lastly, uh, there's one more thing we're responsible for, is also just making sure our current product shelf is optimized. So always kind of looking at our current product shelf and looking how we can make improvements uh, you know, over time. That sounds like a very comprehensive summary there, Jeff. And what, what comes out to me and I'm sure to our audience members is how important to both that analytical ability to create those business cases, but also about collaboration and teamwork. You, know, you mentioned all the different teams that you work with. Maybe can you speak to why those two skill sets, both highly analytical and collaboration communication are so important in, in your type of role? Yeah, uh, you know, I would say they're very important because we use we use both very often, right? So obviously, uh, whenever we're doing research, whether it's for idea generation or designing a product, uh, that that's really when you know we put our analytical skills to work, you know, and obviously that's a, that's a very important part of the process. But the other part of the process is really kind of working uh, with all the other teams within the firm to to you know to make uh, the product launch happen. And, you know, that takes a lot of soft skills, collaboration. Uh, it also includes a lot of uh, running a lot of meetings and doing a lot of presentations. So so I would say both uh, set of skills are extremely important in our team. Thanks, Jeff. And so the product has been developed. We've gone through all those different steps in that process that Jeff, you've outlined. The product is now launched. And now, Julianne, maybe I can, I can ask you, once the product is launched, your role as an investment associate is to really support the fund going forward. And um, maybe you can give our audience a kind of a glimpse into what kind of support you provide in your role as an investment associate on the research team. Yeah. So to start, I'll describe the role of an investment associate. So each analyst on our team covers a handful of funds um, where we're known to be kind of the subject matter experts and work as the middleman between the portfolio managers and then all other areas of the business. So whether that be sales, marketing, finance and so on. So it's really our job to um, communicate the voice and thoughts of the portfolio managers. You know, similar to, to Jeff and his team, once a product is launched, it's truly a collaborative effort between my group and then various departments going forward, which I think is kind of the key to the product success. So, you know, we work with the sales teams to address increase from their clients. We work with marketing to prepare resources and materials to promote the fund. We work with finance to gather data around the fund's performance. Um, we also meet with the portfolio managers on a quarterly basis to get their updated thoughts on, you know, how the fund is performing and the current market environment, um, which we then translate that commentary into regulatory documents, among some other responsibilities as well. So um, overall, when it comes to the product success going forward, I'd say that collaboration and communication really are two key factors. When you speak about the importance of communication, I know from our conversations before this webcast today, the importance of you know, creating great communication about the product and answering the questions of our clients. I know you work directly with our sales team and uh, financial advisors who have questions about the product. Can you give some examples of the type of questions that you get from advisors about our products that we've launched into the marketplace? 
Yeah, so typically the questions that I receive span a diverse spectrum. So I think I would go about buffing them between fund updates, competitor comparisons, thoughts on specific areas of the market, and then more broadly from an organizational perspective. So, you know, for fund updates, this would be things like the fund's current performance and positioning, um, you know, highlighting which holdings might contribute or detract from a fund's performance, providing the portfolio manager's thesis for holding a specific company, um, and also their general outlook on the markets and areas that they're finding investment opportunities. When it comes to competitor comparisons, um, it's very often where an advisor is in a situation where they're kind of comparing various mandates from different investment providers and are looking for the best solution for them. So this is where I'd kind of analyze the similarities and differences between competitive products and make a case for why our fund may be best suited. You know, in terms of market, advisors also love to get the portfolio managers' thoughts on specific areas. So if we're thinking about ESG specifically, for example, um, they may want their thoughts on renewable energy or hydrogen. And then just from a broader organizational perspective, again, like in terms of ESG, what Fidelity is doing to grow their presence in this space and also the resources that we have available to, to illustrate that. Your responsibility is not to just cover one specific fund. You, you and your role as an investment associate cover multiple funds. Can you kind of speak to, you know, the, the mandate and the coverage that you provide for uh, our sales and advisor clients? Are you asking about kind of like my lineup in particular, that what I cover? Just the, the range. It's just the point yeah. that it's on one, there's multiple. Yeah. So although, you know, ESG is, is under my coverage, we do have an analyst that, you know, looks at fixed income. We do have an analyst that may look at U.S. equity. We kind of split it by the asset class. But, you know, as our team is growing, so are kind of the responsibilities and funds under our lineup. So we're, we're starting to see a lot more diversity as we launch more products, but it really does range across all different asset classes. Thanks, Julia. And this is a great segue talking about ESG. Let's talk about how we've discussed the process in creating the products and the day-to-day -day support of them. Let's use Climate Leadership Fund, our recently launched fund, as an example of all of this. And maybe, Jeff, I'll, I'll direct this question to you. As part of the product development team, you are a key member of creating this climate leadership fund, a fund that both has you know, performance related objectives as a mutual fund product, mm -hmm. but also you know, other objectives beyond that and creating um, impact. Can you talk a little bit about its development and um, how it was built? So, you know, when we were designing the, 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 the climate leadership product, we, we essentially had two goals in mind. So, so as you said, first and foremost, we really wanted to design a, a product uh, that would perform. Uh, and obviously, that's what's most important to to our clients uh, to help them achieve their financial goals. And so we did that in several ways. Uh, <clears throat> you know, we partner with our very own Hugo Ravere, which is a portfolio manager here, uh, you know, in our Canadian office. Uh, he has a stellar long term performance record. And it was essentially an ideal candidate to to run this type of strategy because, you know, not only was he a good portfolio manager, he also really believed in the values associated with the strategy. So essentially the fact that we need to transition to a low carbon economy. And that's something he lives every day. Second, uh, we also designed it to have some flexibility just to ensure they could perform well uh, in every possible type of market environment. So we ensured to build some flexibility 
to allow the portfolio manager to be able to protect the portfolio uh, during times of volatility. Uh, we also designed it in a way that he can uh, essentially take advantage of all the potential opportunities uh, that will come up over time. And then the third uh, kind of aspects of you know uh, performance or achieving performance uh, was really just by virtue of focusing on decarbonization or the transition to a local uh, low carbon economy. Uh, we would essentially ensure that the, that the fund would have good performance, and that's essentially because we believe that uh, you know decarbonization, transition to a low carbon economy, is one of the biggest trends of the century. Companies and countries around the world are going to have to invest trillions of dollars in this transition, uh, and the companies that are well positioned for this uh, are going to be doing well. The second goal we had in mind was obviously uh, we wanted this uh, strategy to participate in the transition to a low-carbon economy in a very thoughtful manner. And so we did that by focusing uh, our investments and directing capital towards three types of companies. Uh, so first, you have what we call uh, climate leaders. So those are companies, you know, historically with best-in-class climate practices and solutions uh, and a low-carbon footprint. And these are companies that have really taken this to heart for a very long time. Uh, and we really believe that, uh, <clears throat> you know, directing capital towards these companies will reinforce that and also encourage other companies to focus on, on this important aspect. The second type of company we, we aim to invest in is what we call climate solutions providers. So those are the companies that are really going to try to find the solutions and kind of develop the technologies uh, to really facilitate that transition to a low carbon economy. And that could be anything like, uh, <clears throat> you know, decarbonizing the transportation sector, so electric vehicles. Our companies are trying to uh, grab CO2 from the air, so carbon capture and sequestration. Or even companies are trying to find better processes to make steel or cement. And then, uh, you know, the third type of company, which, you know, in a way is probably the most important one, uh, are called climate reformers. So those are companies who historically you know, may not have had the best uh, climate track record. They may have been high emitters. Uh, they may also uh, <clears throat> have had, you know, poor uh, climate policies and practices, uh, but recently have started improving their practices and, and working on just kind of reducing and lowering their impact on the climate. Uh, and not only do we direct capital towards these companies, we also work with them and continually engage with them to ensure that they not only continue on that path, but accelerate the transition. And we really think that that's one of the best ways to have really a real world impact. Well, it sounds like there is a whole lot of analysis and strategy in terms of how this product is built. And maybe Juliana, I can ask you the, the next question, logical question here, which is to say, how does the Climate Leadership Fund, how does it contribute to both you know, the performance aspects of, of mutual funds that we create, performance is super important, but how does it also contribute to those other um, factors, greening of the world, especially considering the title of today's webcast is Building Products for a Greener World. Maybe you could speak to that and Jeff following, following in. You know, Climate Leisure Fund is really a great product that allows investors to invest with a purpose and work towards addressing climate change issues. But at the end of the day, it does still act as one of those core investments that can generate strong returns. So. You know, the truth of the matter is that climate change is very topical and a very serious issue. And because of this accelerating trend towards decarbonization, there's a very large investment opportunity in this space. 
you know, in the past, um, there used to be this misconception that investors would sacrifice returns when investing in sustainable products. But we're now starting to see that myth be debunked and Climate Leadership Fund really is a great example of that. You know, as Jeff mentioned, we have Hugo Lavallee as the portfolio manager who is very passionate about this space, but also has a very great track record with um, his other mandates that he also manages. Um, and he also has access to an array of global research by leveraging our international colleagues. So I think that that research and collaboration with our international colleagues who have experience in this space really does play a huge role in the success that we're seeing with the fund's performance and also set that fund apart from our competitors as well. Jeff, you have anything to add to that from, from your perspective about the fund? One of the big differentiators for the strategy compared to us in the market, if you look at a lot of the strategies that are out there in the market that are focused on climate change, you know, often they're very much focused on just reducing the overall carbon footprint of the portfolio. So that's very easy to do. You can do that by either, uh, you know, excluding uh, uh, certain companies and certain industries from your portfolio or just focusing your investment with companies that have uh, a low carbon footprint. The problem with that is that it doesn't encourage other companies to change and to lower the carbon footprint. What our fund aims to do is to, it doesn't restrict investments in uh, companies that may have a high carbon footprint, but instead, uh, if we do find good opportunities in these companies, uh, the portfolio manager essentially aims to uh, engage with the company, work with them to help them transition and create uh, that change. So, uh, you know, it really has the potential to have a real, real world impact. Well, it definitely sounds like that benefits both our, our, our clients who, who purchase these funds, but also for the companies and for the world in general, which is fantastic. And credit to you both in your roles for um, helping with the creation of this product. But I do, I do want to pose this question. I always like to ask it of our guests on Fidelity Next, and that's really pieces of advice. Uh, I know, Jeff, you spoke about wanting to have a role in investment management and applying to many different places. And Juliana, from your perspective, with multiple co-op roles at the company, Maybe I can ask you from your own unique career journeys, what's a piece of advice that you give those either new grads or students looking for co-op roles in the future? What advice would you give them? And maybe Julianne, I'd ask you to start. I would say don't be afraid to fail, not only in the work that you do, but the career choices that you make as well. I think especially as students, we feel this pressure to be perfect and maybe hesitant to admit that we may not know how to do something. So I really recommend, um, you know, asking a lot of questions, finding a mentor and learning from your mistakes because we all start from somewhere. And then in terms of, you know, your career choices or entering the financial field, um, I think that students also want to feel like they have it all figured out um, and all figured out at an early stage as well. But if you try something out and learn that it may not be best for you, don't be afraid to, to change your path. Um, back in my earlier years of university, I was actually studying accounting, and I learned that it was not for me. So after my co-op terms at Fidelity being introduced to the financial services field, that's when I switched into finance. And, you know, at first I was a little concerned that I was lost and didn't know what I wanted to do. But, um, you know, you're all still so young. Um, try different things and know that it is okay to try different things as well. And Jeff, what about you? What advice would you give? Well, I mean, I, I wish, uh, like Juliana would have done more co-op terms. <laughs> Maybe it would have been easier at the beginning. Uh, but no, I mean, 
you know, I would obviously definitely suggest co-op. It's a good way to get uh, that experience. I did one myself, but, you know, as an economist, which was a little bit different. But, you know, I would say uh, learn about what you're interested in. If you're interested in, you know, in investing, for example, and you want to work in the investment industry, it's, it's never too early to start learning about it and, and get that knowledge and to just soak it up. And, you know, there's various ways of doing that. Uh, you can obviously do it on your own. There's so much information available out there. Uh, but you could also do it through kind of formal, you know, education programs like starting the CFA early or, you know, anything else that that, that piques your interest. And, and I will also probably give you a leg up if you're, you know, potential future employers uh, see that you're not only interested, but you're knowledgeable even before you started working in the space. Uh, I think definitely presents an advantage for you. Awesome. Thank you, Jeff. And we do have a, a question here. And Juliana, I'd like to pose it to you. You mentioned that um, you did you had multiple co-op roles here at the company. Not all of them were in product. I'm wondering if you can kind of speak to the, the, the benefits or reflecting back um, how the diversity of your different roles has helped you and where you're at today. In each of my roles, I, I learned a different skill, whether it was uh, a hard skill or interpersonal. I think it all kind of contributes to, to your learning um, capabilities. So in my first term where it was in fund treasury, I was still able to demonstrate analytical skills, but I also, I think was it was a good way to be introduced to what Fidelity is and learn a bit more on the back office side of things, which I was able to carry that forward into my product terms as well. When I joined ETF team, I didn't know what an ETF was. I wasn't very familiar with products, but that definitely, I learned everything on the job. And from there, I was able to take what I learned into my product research role. And at that point, I felt like everything transitioned pretty smoothly. I was able to find a mentor who was able to ask questions. And I think that that was kind of key, you know, networking, asking questions and taking initiative, showing that you're willing to learn um, and just soaking up all the learning opportunities that you have. Thanks, Juliana. And great feedback and great kind of advice and reflection on, on your different co-op roles. Got time for one more question, and Jeff, I'll, I'll push, push this one towards you. Can you talk a little bit about the disruption because of the pandemic? Of course, being in the office and the collaboration needed for product development, meeting with all departments, obviously online is a different challenge by itself. Can you speak to how your role has changed because of the pandemic and working from home? Well, you, you know what? The truth is, is that my role hasn't changed. Um, you know, we've been lucky enough that, that I feel, at least, you know, within the product team, product development, we're essentially able to do all our day-to-day -day tasks and activities uh, online. You know, we're lucky enough to have, uh, you know, the, the support and the effort structure that we need to do our jobs. So to be honest, uh, the transition was really smooth and, you know, it feels like nothing really changed other than the fact that you're not going to the office. But in terms of, you know, uh, doing my day-to-day my -day job and, you know, my day-to-day -day tasks, I don't, I don't feel like it's been any more difficult. Uh, the only thing I do miss is, you know, talking to my colleagues, uh, you know, and seeing them once in a while and, and potentially the random conversations that you have when you bump into someone. Uh, but in terms of doing my job, uh, no, you know, nothing changed. It feels like uh, just like before. Well, considering Jeff, we used to work very close to each other. I hope you miss our conversations too. It sounds like you do. A hundred percent. Awesome. Well, we've run up to time. Jeff, Julianne, so, Thank you so much for joining us on Fidelity Next. We'll have to have you back to talk about some of our upcoming launch products and what they will look like. But for now, thank you both for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And if you have any questions or are interested in a co-op role, 
or even a full-time position here at Fidelity, please check your school's job boards or go to fidelity.ca in the career section for any more details and information. Thanks for listening to the Fidelity Next podcast, brought to you by Fidelity Investments Canada. You can visit fidelity.ca for details on future live webcasts, follow Fidelity Canada on Twitter, and subscribe to our podcast on your podcast platform of choice. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave a review or a five-star rating. Thanks. See you next time.